This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Illini Enquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Illini Enquirer publisher here at Memorial Stadium, where in five days we'll finally see football, the first college football game of the year as Illinois is hosting Nebraska. And this year we are happy to bring Jay Lehman aboard. going to be a big part of this podcast, big part uh, contributor to our site. And uh, the All-American linebacker is here with us now. And Jay, I think it's a good addition for us when we have a guy who's got a mural on the uh, 500 level of this building. Pretty good, but happy to have you aboard, man. Good to see it's been a while since I actually saw that thing. You know, I'm always just coming up to the press box and whatnot. And we've been down a long time, Jeremy. I mean, uh, you know, when I first got started in BTN, you and, you and Lon Tay were doing a, sh- a pregame show, I think, downtown on Green Street, right? I mean, those were the days. And uh, you'd always call me up on Friday to, to do a hit. And I've seen, you know, this grow to what it is. It's been cool. It's been really cool to partner up with you and the Enquirer. I'm looking forward to this year. Yeah, so here we go, Jay, a new coaching staff. And let's start there because this will be the first time we see them. We'll talk about scheme. We'll talk about roster. But I've been impressed by the staff Brett Bielmo was able to put together. And that was the first test that we got to see, uh, okay, how how big of a difference is this? I mean, the roster on paper of coaches was pretty impressive, in my opinion. What did you think of this? Well, first and foremost, uh, I don't think we've had a consistent defense here for 25 years, okay? Um, we've had spurts, certainly the 2001, 2017. Some of the coning years were solid. Really the last decade, the defense has been very porous. I think if we look at the Big Ten West champs year over year, what, what have we seen? Maybe not the most explosive offenses, but we've always seen defense. Whether Northwestern, you know, had a time where they played really well and at the West Ham, Wisconsin had a run of tremendous defenses and uh, some great outside linebackers that are still in the NFL today. Iowa's always been solid up front. And we look at teams that haven't won the West, uh, whether it be uh, Nebraska, as explosive as their offense is. Uh, we look at Purdue, as explosive as their offense can be. And, you know, we've looked at Minnesota, who not able to get over the hump against Wisconsin the one year they were really good. And so I think it all starts with defense. I hate to be, you know, a guy that's, you know, all defense, defense, defense. We look at this staff, you know, we got Brett Bielema, who uh, a defensive coach. He's never been on the offensive side of the ball. He's got some great mentors on the defensive. And this is a guy that, you know, on his staff, I mean, when he was a freshman in uh, college, I mean, they had like Barry Alvarez was like his defensive coordinator, right? I mean, so like, or maybe he had moved on to Notre Dame at the time, but, you know, you, you, you've got the pedigree of Kansas State, Iowa, Wisconsin. We've talked about the pedigree, of course, Bill Belichick and whatnot. But then also he goes out and hires um, Kevin Kane, who's the SMU uh, defensive coordinator, it is Kevin, right? Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. You know, and uh, you, you know, got you got a high group of five defense coordinator take basically a demotion. I, you got a pay raise. Right, right, no which I thought was, was I thought was interesting. You know, I mean, I think they gave him like associate head coach or you know whatever. 
uh, and he's like a, a backer coach, right? You've got Andy Boo, who's been a coordinator at Stanford, a Pac-12 team, uh, at Maryland. Uh, he also, uh, you know, coached under Milama at, at Wisconsin. He's been around. And, and of course, uh, Walters, who, you know, is a, is a hot commodity. I'm not sure how long he'll be here. You know, a really up-and-coming coach in the profession. Uh, I do, you know, rumors were that he had offers from other spots after he got signed on here. So you've got four defensive coordinators. And I think that just is a lot uh, as far as how do we game plan, how do we stop things. And uh, people often ask Coach Walters here, and when this gets into schematic, what I like what he said, uh, most of the time when people just say we're multiple, they just don't want to tell you what they're doing. Um, but I do get his, his thing that you have to be multiple these days because the offensives do so much. So I think it starts defensively. Um, offensively, I mean, I played against Tony Peterson uh, at Minnesota for years. I like his style of play. I think it fits in good for the type of player they're trying to bring here. Yeah. Well, let's get into some of that scheme a little bit right. because we don't know what it's going to be. They've kept it close to the vest. I think offensively we know a little bit more of what they're going to they're going to do. But let's start with the defense, Jay, because Lovey Smith's a defensive coach, and he had der- terrible defensive teams. Outside, right. outside of takeaways, this right. team just down to down right. was not able to stop right. other teams. So we saw a 3-4 very vanilla base during the spring game. I don't know how much we look into that they've had like four two five alignments they've talked about two four five um they obviously are changing some positions defensive ends are stand-up edge rushers now what are you expecting uh out of this defense that's it's a good question right um number one i i think that it's gonna go as the defensive line goes okay i mean people and that's i know that's not the most experienced position probably linebacker is probably the most experienced but it's all about the trenches up front on, on all of these teams, right? You, you have, we have really failed in the trenches. But we can look back in, under Conan when you had uh, Akeem Spence, you had Corey Legit, Buchanan even wasn't like an outside linebacker. They had some good players up front. Um, and, and that's really where it starts. So number one up front. Uh, but I do believe that the, the linebackers, uh, you know, Hart coming in as a transfer, uh, I'm not sure if they call him Calvin or CJ, but one of the two, right? Uh, and, and I think Tolson and Barnes has showed, showed flashes. And, of course, Jake Hansen being back. Uh, I know they moved to Shimon Cooper on the outside, and they've got Carney on the outside and Gay on the outside. So I think they've actually got some depth at backer. So it's interesting to me if they can get the front line set up. Uh, you know, I know they got um, – Roderick Perry back and whatnot. They get some players up front. I don't know what Calvin Avery is looking like. But what's the, the big advantage of a 3-4 is it can look the same whether I'm stunting or whether I'm playing base defense. And you never know which one of the linebackers are coming, whether it's one of the outside linebackers, one of the uh, uh, inside linebackers. Wisconsin's been very good at running a 3-4. And it's very hard for a young quarterback in college to really figure out okay, where is that fourth rusher coming from? How can I tell my center or my center identify where that fourth rusher is coming from? And it all looks the same. So you have this um, this look of symmetry on the defense, which is hard to tell uh, for an offensive guy, where is this coming from? Where in a 4-3, it's always asymmetrical. They're always slanted to one side and whatnot. And 3-4 is really coming in vogue. It's always been in vogue in the pros. But it's becoming more and more in vogue as players have gotten bigger up front uh, and schemes have changed uh, the last decade or so in college. 
the one word I think I use for Lovey's defense, because we heard this from other coaches all the time, was predictable. Like the, the, quarter, the quarterbacks knew right. what was coming. And you said it. I mean, these are often teenagers, young 20-year-old quarterbacks. Right. Make them think, right? right? Make them second-guess themselves. That didn't seem to be the case with, say, Graham Mertz last year making his first start. So how much does unpredictability matter when it comes to, say, a 3-4 or whatever defense they're well, I think Well, I think it matters a ton. First off, I mean, let's just be honest. Levy Smith ran single high with, you know, man-free coverage, or he ran cover two. It's pretty obvious to tell they did a bad, guy, bad, bad job disguising. I mean, let's remember week one last year, we saw Nate Hobbs get mossed by a fullback. Uh, from Wisconsin. Guys, let, let, let's just be right. That's how bad it was. You know, I thought Sidney Brown was going to be really good last year. He struggled last year, you know. Um, the, the defensive backs in general struggled. Um, that being said, though, I think disguise plays a big part of it. Um, I, I also think that it, it, it comes down to basics, but the ability to get pressure on a quarterback. Can we get pressure on the quarterback consistently? That's the number one factor in my mind of, of turnovers and, of course, success on first down because it all builds together. If I have success on first down, I get in passing situations, right? If I get in passing situations, I have a chance to get pressure on the quarterback, okay? If I get pressure on the quarterback, he handles the ball the most. He's going to fumble the most when he gets hit, number one. Number two, if he's under pressure, under duress, he's going to make mistakes. And you said, how much does disguise matter? Well, I think you play a team like – um, you know, Nebraska, they're trying to trick you and do all kinds of different things with alignment, quarterback run, quarterback draw, motions, shifts, out of the spread, different personnels. You've got to have a lot of tools in your toolbox to combat that. And we saw, not necessarily last year, but, you know, two years ago when they came here, uh, they pretty much just diced up that Illinois defense and made it look silly with Wondell Robinson having a huge game. I'm glad he's at Kentucky now and not playing for the Huskers. Yeah. Well, let's keep it with the defense. Um, what do you think of the personnel here? Because they haven't produced. Now, most of these guys are back. I mean, right. the front the looks basically the same. Jake Hansen's back. Tony Adams, Devin Weatherspoon, Sidney Brown are back. Quan Martin, uh, part of that crew as well. So they add a couple transfers, Prather Hudson, right. Eddie Smith. But, I mean, it's mostly the same guys. So how much talent is there to, to get out of them? Like, how big of a leap can and they take with scheme? My question is this. is we were, we were high on Hudson as being a, a key, you know, guy that could play a lot of things, special teams. And Eddie Smith, do we know how much they're playing? Do we think they'll be starting? Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, based on what we've seen in camp, which is very little. I mean, I think Quan Martin, Sidney Brown are going to play a lot. Eddie Smith and Prather Hudson might play the nickel uh, position is what they told us. So I don't know if I'm plugging them in the starting lineup right away. Okay. I think I think it's Quan and, and Sidney back. Okay, and I've heard good things about Spoon on the outside. I know he really came up last year as a guy who's had a lot of journey and whatnot. Um, and, and let's not forget about Adams. I mean, is Adams healthy? That's the big question, right? I mean, he's a guy who has really struggled with injury here and there, and I think he's a gifted player. I think he can be really good. But when it what was the original question? The defensive backs? You know, just what do you think the, the potential is for this group? Like, how much better can they get uh, basically the same group as last year well, with if, scheme? If Illinois has a middle-of-the-road defense and a middle-of-the-road offense, you'd think they'd be, you know, seventh or eighth in the Big Ten which would be at least seven or eight wins, seven wins probably, right? And so do I think they're going to be better? I don't think you can go anywhere else but up, okay, from what Lovey's defense was, other than the turnovers, right? I think getting Jake Hansen back was huge from a leadership perspective, from a guy that you want running your team. So I think that's huge. I think you're going to see a couple lumps as we get into live play, right? 
I do think the Nebraska game is a big, a big trendsetter. It's similar to a one-game season, but it's it's a it's a big test early on. And uh, but I think we're going to be better. I really do. Uh, I think it's in, it's really an interesting thing. Um, you have basically the same team back, other than Kendrick Green, right? Uh, back this year with you know we've never had this. We've never had the situation where it was one coaching staff with this team and the same team comes back and it's the coaching staff. So. Is it the players? Is it the coaches? We're going to find out a lot this season. But I just I have way more expectation for this season than I did last. Yeah. Okay. So offensively, you said you went against Tony Peterson's offenses in the Big Ten, which if people don't remember, Minnesota, uh, Lawrence Maroney, Marion Barber, pretty good rushing attacks then, and, and pro style quarterbacks, kind of what uh, Brett Bielma has done. Now he's gone to group of five schools and aired it out at ECU, aired it out at Marshall, uh, and then at Appalachian State for one year they ran the ball a lot. So. Uh, Expect more probably what he did at Minnesota. He's talked about the Tampa Bay Bucks and kind of what they did in the NFL last year. Um, what do you think of a change to that kind of scheme? Well, first off, a little anecdote. People don't realize, you know, my recruiting visit in 2002 here, we had Lawrence Maroney at that visit. Uh, Lawrence was, was thinking about coming here. Uh, we had Pierre Thomas as well on that visit. Uh, we had Marcus Mason uh, on that visit as well. Um, and, and Brock Bolin. Uh, a guy who was a highly touted fullback at that time. So Marcus Mason uh, didn't end up finishing here, finished at Youngstown State and played for the Redskins for years. Pierre Thomas obviously had a great career with the Saints. And uh, Lawrence Maroney probably had a better college career than, than a pro career, but it was a first-round draft pick. We had lots of talent coming in. So, I mean, uh, me and uh, Lawrence Maroney go back from a recruiting visit to, to, to the first game as a freshman. He played here in racked up, I think it was like 286 yards as a freshman, <laughs> and running Tony Peterson's offense. And um, – uh, back then, you know, I was talking to Tony a little bit uh, about it. This is really before the zone read. So they were they were under center. They would run this 12 personnel set, which basically means two tight ends, one back, and then have Ernie Wheelwright, a uh, receiver for uh, – and a guy named Aaron Hosack on the outside for Minnesota. Big receivers. And what they would do is they would just run zone, left and right, really stretch you out. It was a built-in cutback for Barber and Maroney. And then sometimes they started getting in – a, a motion, like a reverse motion to either Barber or Moni when they put them in together so that you would kind of be fooled on what, what's going on. He goes, man, you know, I was talking to Tony Peterson a couple months ago. He goes, man, if we had the zone read and, you know, the, uh, you know, uh, RPO game in when we had those guys, we might have scored 50 a game, you know. They just didn't have it at that point. Uh, it was kind of in its early uh, genesis and whatnot. So I think he's taking those concepts of the RPO uh, of the run-pass option, uh, we've he's taking the, the the concepts of the zone read, and he's also kept the under center of let's run the football, let's do play-action boots, which I think Brandon Peters is actually really well a good fit for, and so I give him credit because he's really evolved as the game has gone and, and has the ability to kind of mold it to his personnel. With the running backs they have back, Chase Brown, Mike Epstein, they they're high in Reggie Love. They had Chase right. Hayden. Um, the offensive line, I think, has at least been solid the last right. couple of years, right? I mean, you get three key guys back. You lose Kendrick Green, but you got some older guys to, to fill in. Would you agree that the running game should at least be solid um, going into this season? That feels like it, it should yeah. be a strength of the offense. I, mean, I think if you're going to have three guys come back, you'd want your two tackles in your center. Uh, I certainly don't want to minimize guards. We've had some great guards here of late. You know, uh, if there's Allegretti, uh, Kendrick Green, um, you know, Ted Karras. I mean, we, we've had some really good guards. So, I, it's, I you know, those are usually um, your maulers. You know, your guys that you can develop in the weight room and maul. 
And, you know, to be an elite tackle, you just have to be an elite athlete, you know. And so we haven't recruited a ton of those. I think Bedarian has a chance to be special. Uh, Palcho's had a great career, obviously got banged up last year. We, we want to see what he's like. Um, but to have those three guys back is good. I know Jarosati might be getting some reps, the transfer, right, uh, at, at guard. Um, and they've got some other veterans. But I, I think you want those three guys back, number one. So I think that gives you a foundation uh, to protect your quarterback and to get some push. Uh, I think you, 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 you've got to think that this is a first down run team. You, I mean, that you, more often than not, I know people like to be 50-50 and whatnot. They're, they're going to want to run the football. I think if you get to 40 carries a game, and the old thing with Mark D'Antonio at Michigan State was when they were really good, he said, if we can run it 40 times a game, we're going to win. Now, their defenses were exceptional, right? So he knew if we can run it 40 times, that's going to take enough clock and we've obviously moved the ball enough to, to get the chance to run 40 times. One thing to run 40 times a game, but if you're not getting first down, well, it goes pretty bad. you, you got to be able to get some first downs off of it, right? Uh, they're going to win football games. And I think that ultimately that's what Brett wants to do. He knows they're not going to outfund and gun people. I mean, let, let's just be real. We're not going to outscore people with the athletes we have on the edge. I like Diane tomorrow. I think Isaiah Williams has some potential. We don't have one guy that can stretch the field. We've got a ground and pound. And, you know, we've got two really good tight ends in Luke Ford. And Daniel Barker is not great at the point of attack, but he's serviceable. And so, you know, I, I think you've got to expect them to control the line of scrimmage. If you're not going to outscore people and you don't have a defense that can really choke people down. So you've got to kind of play ball control. Well, the biggest question for me remains, as you were saying, the passing game. One, there's a lot different talent at, at wide receiver, right. but it's pretty unproven. I'll ask you about Isaiah Williams, but quarterback remains a, a huge question because right. Brandon Peters towards the end of last year, besides the Nebraska game, um, really disappointed, I thought, last year. And you had Art Sikowski to give you some experience and, and a backup, but this is obviously Brandon Peters' team. What what needs to happen for him to take the next step with a, a group of receivers that at least is questionable, but a, a solid run game, and you think a good pair of tight ends? Yeah, so one, I think it's interesting, you know, a lot of coaches never, if a new staff, they, they don't even talk about who the starting quarterback is. I mean, we heard Brett Bielema talk, I was at practice a week ago, and just said, you know, if we started today, Brandon Peters would be our guy. And so it hasn't even really been a competition. It, it sounds like, we don't know what's going on, but... That shows you that Peters must be that much better uh, than the rest of the guys. Uh, I know they tried to work on his being more vocal, being, a, being, being the leader that they need. He, the funny thing is he shows flashes. He shows, he shows why he got recruited to Michigan, why he was a four-star. He shows some athleticism. I know he played hoops and, and whatnot. Um, but we got to have him be more consistent. Um, you just can't win in the Big Ten Conference without consistent play. And we saw that with Northwestern. Remember the disaster quarterback they had two years ago. They went from, you know, being a West champ to not being able to do anything, right? And so uh, getting a quarterback is such a critical thing in, in this, uh, you know, in college football today. Brandon Pierce simply has to be better. I don't know if he has a ton of weapons, right? I think Donnie Navarro is probably the most consistent. I think Donnie's been underutilized. I really like the tight ends. I think Luke Ford's kind of got his butt kicked a little bit and called out, which is good. Uh, you know, uh, we thought Luke should have played more last year. He, he didn't. But I think he's responded well. And, and, you know, DJ or Daniel Barker, whatever you want to call Daniel, uh, you know, he's a gifted player. Uh, you know, I know he averages, you know, one – excessive celebration per four, per, per four catches. But, you know, he's a good player, and so I think you'll see a lot of those tight ends as well. 
I don't know where Isaiah Williams fits in because Donnie Navarro is kind of the same player uh, and more seasoned at receiver, but I've heard that he has some natural receiving capability, so I'd be interested to see that. What can, I mean, we're, we're kind of talking about the idea of Isaiah Williams, but we saw against Rutgers, even against Penn State, what he can do in the open field, right? right? And Illinois has just lacked, lacked that, you know, playmaker in the open field in the slot since Mikey Dudek's freshman year, right? So what what can theoretically that do, that kind of weapon, if he can be that? And they have not tamped down expectations, right. Jay. They, they have high expectations for him. What do you think that can add to this offense? Well, I'm, people don't talk about the slot time, but, but you know, the slot is usually the number two or number three receiver. That just means the second receiver in from the sideline or the third receiver in. And it gives favorable matchups, right, on the uh, linebacker or on a safety. Uh, but what people don't talk about is that's oftentimes the easiest throw for a quarterback to make. It's the closest receiver to him. He doesn't have to throw across the field. And usually it's a bang, bang, quick throw. It's it's a one-step drop, two-step drop, and I'm hitting my receiver. It's a quick out. It's a quick in. It's a little hitch. Uh, it's a bubble screen. It's something like that. So it's a very easy kind of comfort zone player, uh, whereas – the outside receivers are more timing route. You're going to throw the ball across. Not that Brandon Peter doesn't have the arm to execute those. We're talking about getting a guy in rhythm that does better when he gets some confidence. I think that's what Isaiah Williams does, right? Because when you have a guy that you can be, okay, I can go get an easy catch here because he's going to get open. And, you know, if I get the ball in his hands, chances are he'll make one guy miss. We'll get some yards after the catch. And that's really what they've been missing. They really have had no yards after the catch ability. And that's where the explosive plays happen. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. All right, Jay, so let's look at this season in totality because, I mean, we start with Nebraska. I want to get into it, but um, how, how big of a step forward do you think you can, you can take? Because as you said, I've written it too. We've never had this where it's basically the same roster a year older after a disappointing season, a coach gets fired, the next coach basically has the same guys. Like We get a great evaluation of how talented is this roster and how big of an issue is coaching. Like We kind of get a perfect view of that. So how big of a step forward do you think they can actually take or how big of a challenge does Brett Bielema have? I mean, I think it's a challenge, right? Um, one, I think that they've got some key pieces there. We talked about the O-line. We talked about the quarterback. Uh, we haven't talked about the specialists, which I think are key pieces, you know, the laddies, the lads. Um, and they got some, some linebackers, right? I, I, I'm more optimistic. Some people say I'm, I'm drinking Kool-Aid and whatnot, but I think the over-under is three and a half. Yeah, um, seems low. Seems low. Yeah. If I was a betting guy, you know, I'd go, you know, place everything on, you know, the over. Um, I, I see s- seven wins. You might have to get there with a bowl game, 
Uh, but I'm just not sure. Uh, I'm not overly impressed by you know anybody really right now in, in the West. I, do I think that you know Northwestern and and you know the the, the usual suspects are going to be solid? Yeah, I do. But you know we we also play Maryland. We also play Rutgers. We we play Charlotte. We you know I think the Virginia games be hard. Uh, Bronco does a great job there. Um, but I, I, I actually think this team's going to get better, too. Uh, I, one thing we've struggled with, I don't feel like we've gotten better as seasons have gone along. We get better to about week six, and then they lose their mojo, and it's just like, let's get to the end of the year because we're getting beat. So I think we're going to continue to get better. And so uh, even if we have three, only three wins by October 15th, hey, I know it could be the schedule gets tougher then, but I think we're going to get better. So, yeah, I mean, I'm optimistic about it. I don't see a reason why not to be, uh, considering Brett's had a lot of success. Even when he struggled at Arkansas, he was still 29 and 34. We would love to be 29 and 34 in four years, right? right. I mean, I'd be I mean, like that's bad, and he was playing in the SEC. Right. I was going to ask you, so the optimism comes from Bielma's credibility, his staff, yeah. and, and, and I certainly – uh, feel that as well. The roster, I'm kind of iffy on, but I think you're right. I mean, I look at Nebraska's roster, and while it's got some talent, I think Illinois is on par. Purdue has a couple stars, but I think depth-wise, Illinois might be a little bit better. And then Rutgers, Maryland, you're kind of on par. So I, I'm with you in that it feels like they have a lot of opportunities for wins, but very few outside of probably Charlotte, maybe UTSA, though they had a good season last year. There's not a lot of guarantees. That's where it's where it's difficult for the schedule. Yeah, and there, there's there's – not a lot of guarantees, but I, I don't ever underestimate the ability that confidence can have on a football team. You know, uh, if they come out and, you know, beat Nebraska and they start getting in their head saying, remember, this is a team, they, they should have the most confidence against Nebraska than any other team that they played this year because they beat the, they beat the brakes off Nebraska last year. Um, you know, the way I see it is don't underestimate me. Maybe we are a different team. Maybe it kind of comes together like that. You know, I just remember in 2007, just we lost a heartbreaker to Missouri in week one, but we started to realize and we went on the road to um, Syracuse two weeks later and, you know, had a very convincing win. We started to think, we went on the road to Indiana, had a convincing win. You just start to build confidence. And although, who cares that you beat Syracuse? It wasn't even that good of a team. It was a big deal to us. And so, who knows what the confidence block is and when it's going to, to tip. Like, we were always waiting for the turn. Like, what, what year is stuff going to turn out? It never really happened to Lovey Smith. I mean, they kind of peeked around the corner after the Wisconsin game, and people thought this is it. But it never really turned. I, I think they have a better chance this year to win games than maybe they will next year. It might be a different rebuild. It might be this year's the year, next year's a step back, and then year three when they have some of their players they've developed for three years, they might be back to where they're at this year. So – it's an un, um, uncharacteristic rebuild. Right. And so we'll have to see what happens. So I think anything can happen. And fans are back in the stadium. The, the, weird, it's just, it's just the, the weirdness of last year has rubbed off a little bit, although you know, we're, we're recording this in you know, August 23rd. And we, we, you know, we, we, this could be totally you know, not true in a week. But uh, I just think it's, it feels better around here, and there's just more energy. So many people feel better about the direction of the program. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, you've played a Power 5 game opening week. Yeah. Um, and how I, you guys were competitive, and I think that obviously spurred you against right. Missouri last year. But, I mean, this game feels so important to both sides. How much does this game, do you think, matter for, for the landscape of the season? 
I think it matters a lot. Do I think that it's um, an end-all, be-all game? I think, you know, just in general, football has a, has a way of making every game really important. And each game is important, right? But it's like, this is it, you know? And it kind of goes into the hype of it, you know? Coaches play that up and, you know. Um, it's certainly a great opportunity to get oh. fans on board and to get recruiting going like it just and to get confidence it's right? almost more it's almost bigger for the fans yeah you know uh i think there's some resilience with football players you know that can be like okay like we can bounce back from it but i think it's a big game in all those things i think what's if ever you watch nebraska early on in their games uh early in the season they will throw everything at you in the first quarter first half to make you adjust a ton and they're going to get some big plays can you weather that first storm of stuff and then they like to what they like to play with a lead oh who doesn't right and so can you weather that storm I think there'll be some disappointing I think there'll be some breakdowns they're going to trick Illinois a little bit but at the same time can Illinois get first downs on the ground and they got nine and the rest got like nine starters back on defense they got some good backers back. Uh, they got some good D linemen back. I mean, they lost DiCaprio Boodle, who's probably their best corner last year. But they, they've got some players back. And so, but again, this is the same defense they gave up 40 against Illinois last year, who wasn't that good. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, the other part of this matchup, I, th- I agree with you. I think Nebraska feels good about its defense. It's actually coming back, and they haven't been very good defensively. But I think offensively, now that they're actually starting Adrian Martinez, who has killed Illinois in his first two right. starts, they're not throwing Luke McCaffrey out there for who knows what right. reason. Um, I think that's a tough matchup for, for this defense, and they have some unproven guys after losing Wandale Robinson, but some talented right. wide receiver options. Marquis Stepp, a USC transfer, yeah. highly rated prospect. What, what, what's going to be the key for the defense, you think? Well, I think it all starts with Martinez. I think he's got something to prove. I mean, so he played in a phenomenal first two years. Um, you know, got into a competition with McCaffrey, and McCaffrey showed flashes but was inconsistent. And McCaffrey transferred and then transferred again, uh, which we, we've heard about that, right, from Louisville, I think, to Rice. And then uh, – so I think it's Martinez's team. I think this is a guy that's got something to prove, right? This is the guy that, that Scott Frost went – uh, when he got the job from UCLA, I think he flew out to California to make sure that they could, you know, flip him from Tennessee to Nebraska, and they did. And uh, he's been the guy that's, you know, was supposed to be the next McKenzie Milton, the next uh, Mariota, whatever, you know, whatever it may be. Who Scott Frost has been? He was supposed to be the guy. There's been times he's showed flashes. I think he wants to really make a statement his senior year. So it's going to come down to uh, Martinez. You you have to imagine he's going to be fully healthy. You know, a lot of times you, you have to play a mobile quarterback in week seven or eight because he's banged up. <laughs> you know, and he can't run. You're going to see all of him running. You know, you, you, you'll see some crazy quarterback stats early on in the season. Like Lamar Jackson will run for crazy amounts. And, like, you see him week 13 of NFL, and he's, like, throwing for 400, but he's ran for, like, 40. You know, so, like, you, you think about all these things, you know. And so I think that's big. I think um, they're going to try to get the ball to Omar Manning. They're going to try to. Uh, you know, they, they just haven't had a big play receiver since uh, Spielman really left. The last year uh, he left, and, and, you know, they had a trio of guys for a while yeah. there. You know, Stanley Morgan and some other guys. Um, DeMorne Pearson L, I think, was yeah. a player. Uh, so they've had guys that can stretch the field. Wandale Robinson was their guy, uh, a great slot receiver, kind of a who's tore up Illinois. He's gone. So uh, they still haven't had a bell call at Kel- tailback. Either so, there's a lot of questions offensively for this team. It all comes down to Martinez. I look for Martinez to probably have four or five hundred yards, and uh, that's just kind of run the mill for him. 
it's a big game for that program. You think about like now the NCAA investigations happening, but I never thought Jay Nebraska football would enter a year possibly with four straight seasons without a postseason. Well, right? It's well, pretty nuts. Well, what's interesting is. You know, we grew up in a really unique era where Nebraska was amazing, right? Mm -hmm. 94, 96, 97 national championship. You know, Corey Schlesinger is a fullback, one of my favorite players out there, right? Trev Alberts was one of the linebackers early. Grant Wistrom, you know, Jason Peter. I mean, they had some great Lawrence Phillips, Tommy Frazier. They just had some great players. Scott Frost, some great players. Um, And what's interesting is, you know, from 1992 to like 2009, Alabama didn't win a national championship. Like, I never thought Alabama was that good, right? I mean, because by the time I was, like, eight years old, I didn't, I didn't win anything, so right? Florida State was the, the Yeah, game Florida right? State was amazing. Charlie Ward, right? Nebraska was amazing. Even Miami wasn't amazing until 2000, right? I never even thought USC was good until the 2000s. So, the dynasties come and dynasties go is the point. And, uh, you know, when I was growing up to play at Nebraska, be, you'd be like, man, that'd be, like, amazing. Alabama, who's Alabama, right? Now it's, like, it's totally switched. And so – Nebraska's fallen on hard times. I'm not sure Nebraska can ever be Nebraska again. If you talk to people that really know the game, and I, I, I'm good friends with Glenn Mason, coached at Kansas uh, against Nebraska and Oklahoma in old Big 8 days, and, and then obviously coached at Minnesota. And the way they had their walk-on program, the way they were able to get guys in, uh, the way they were able to get players in, you know, that basically ended when they got into the Big 12 uh, and, and Texas. Now, they had – a remnant of it left in, you know, 1999. They won the championship. In 2001, they won. Uh, uh, they went to the national championship. I don't think they won it. Um, I think Miami did, right? Yeah. So they had remnants of that. And then since then, well, what, what's changed? Well, it's gotten tougher with the Big 12 and now the Big 10 and whatnot. And some of the players they can get in, how many people they can take in their walk-on program. Uh, so it's it's been difficult for them to really establish what they had under Osborne. And, and I'm not sure the type of football that Frost is playing there uh, is, is meant for the state of Nebraska. Yeah. Uh, you know, they've been good when they've ran the football and played smash mouth ball. They're not necessarily playing smash mouth. Well, Jay, uh, if I could sum this up, I think what I like about you is obviously you're passionate about Illinois, but I don't think you're a homer. But cautiously optimistic, I would say, uh, is well, how you do this. I, I have a lot. I mean, I have a lot of faith in, you know, Brett Bielema. I think he's – been humbled uh, at Arkansas. I, I see that in him. I think he's a leader. He's put together a great staff. Let's remember, Levy Smith put together a staff in April 2016. Now, who's out of work in April 20? Who, who can you get in April 2016? People don't, don't have a job currently, right? Or, or that Illinois is a promotion. And Milam was able to, to pull people from better programs here based on him saying, I want to build Illinois into this, and this is the place I don't want to leave. Um, again, 29 and 34 in the SEC West. Okay, let's just, let's just, right? Well, we got to think about this, right? People rag on him about, like, the Arkansas stuff. Guys, if we were 29 and 34 in the Big Ten West over the next four years, we, we might be happy. That's basically what Fleck and Brom have been, right? But, uh, At their respective, and uh, Illinois would have loved those runs. Uh, so, so, I mean, I, people are like, oh, he, he was horrible in Arkansas. I was like, I mean. Relatively what? not. Re- relatively, <laughs> relatively not, right? So, I mean, people say these things. It's just, it's just stupid to me, right? But um, I, I don't see a reason not to be optimistic. I mean, I mean, everybody's undefeated right now. I mean, there's ever expectation, right? It's like in August. You might as well be, be hopeful. We can wait till November to be the doomsdays. <laughs> if that's, but we've been there enough. That's right. But I tell all my fans to be optimistic, yes. 
Well, Jay, this is going to be a lot of fun this season as we go along. And, and boy, we got football in this place in, in five days. I can't wait. But uh, thanks for joining us, man. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, no, thank you. And uh, it's, it's great to be on week zero this year and, and, and kicking off the college football season. What an opportunity for, for both teams, especially Illinois. Fantastic stuff from Jay Lehman. Thank you to Jay for joining us. And uh, I am so excited for Jay to be a part of our team and be a contributor to us as well. And, and if you haven't checked it out on the site, going to soon uh, have some more video breakdowns from Jay. Uh, so he's going to be a full part of our multimedia efforts here. Uh, he's the goods, as I like to say, but he's just a star. I think no one's better at breaking down football in an informative but also very entertaining way. And I think Jay uh, has been a star in Big Ten Network, and uh, we're happy to have him here and, and star for us as well. So I think he's going to bring a lot more expertise, a lot more knowledge, and I certainly do, uh, being an All-American player, a guy who had some cups of coffee, uh, several of them in the NFL as well, and, and obviously has, has a ton of football knowledge. So I'm just so excited to have him, and I'm excited for the season to start. We'll have plenty more podcasts breaking on the start of the season as Illinois takes on Nebraska on Saturday at noon on Fox. Can't wait for it. Uh, check out the latest at Illini Enquirer, including the latest from Illinois football coaches as they had their weekly press conferences on Monday. Hear from Tony Peterson, uh, the offense coordinator, Ryan Walters, the defense coordinator, and Brett Bielma as well. And, of course, Illinois has a nice in-state commitment. Again, another big win over Iowa with three-star defensive lineman Brian Allen committing. Uh, we'll have more of a breakdown probably later in the week on the podcast, but you can check out the site uh, for all the latest on Brian Allen as well as a good way to emulate Iowa, which is a great model of success for Illinois in the Big Ten West. Beating them for recruits is a pretty good pretty good way of doing that. So uh, good foundation class for Brett Bielema, especially with the nine in-state commitments um, and guys that all would rank 10 through 30 uh, in the in-state ranking. So we've said for a long time that could be where Illinois makes its hay. They certainly have done that so far. All right, thanks for listening to the podcast. Hope you enjoyed Jay. We'll have plenty more from him this season. Give us a follow wherever you get your podcasts. And check out the site for the latest. And if you want to get VIP subscription and you missed the big sale last week, you can still try us out for just $1 for your first month of VIP access. We'll have more on Illinois football recruiting. Huge week for Illinois basketball recruiting as well. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illinois Enquirer podcast. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. Explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.